إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله So we arrived at the section talking about Surah Al-Fatiha now we did all of the opening of the prayer, the takbir, the opening supplication, the isti'adha, a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajim, bismillahir rahmanir rahim. And we spoke about al-fatiha briefly. We now get to the topics that are linked to the recitation of Surah al-Fatiha. Firstly, the Sheikh mentions that the recitation of Surah al-Fatiha it is a pillar of the prayer. Reciting Surah Al-Fatiha is a pillar of the prayer. So the one who does not recite Surah Al-Fatiha, then their prayer will not be valid. And we're going to discuss the opinions regarding that particular issue now. So firstly then there is a hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, لا صلاة لمن لم يقرأ بفاتحة الكتاب There is no prayer for the one who does not recite Al-Fatiha. There is no prayer for the one who does not recite Al-Fatiha. In another hadith in Sahih Muslim of Abu Hurairah, من صلى صلاة لم يقرأ فيها بأم القرآن فهي خداج ثلاثا غير تمام That whomsoever prays a prayer and doesn't recite in it the Umm Al-Quran which is Al-Fatiha then his prayer is cut off meaning it is not complete his prayer is not complete, it is cut, it is broken, if he hasn't recited Fatiha within it. These narrations all seem to indicate very clearly that it is an absolute obligation to recite Surah Al-Fatiha in every prayer, in every raka'ah. There are some issues to understand here. When you pray, there are three possible scenarios. Either you are praying by yourself, maybe in your home, in the mosque after the jama'ah, you're praying some sunnah. One scenario is a person is praying individually by himself. Another scenario, scenario number two is, you could be praying... In jama'ah, scenario number two is you could be praying in jama'ah behind the imam. Scenario three is that you are the imam, maybe you're the imam yourself. So when you pray, there is one of three possible scenarios. Either you're just praying by yourself or you are praying in the jama'ah, one of the jama'ah behind the imam. 
or you are the imam. Three possibilities. If you are praying by yourself in that scenario, or you are the imam in that scenario, in those two scenarios, it is absolutely agreed upon consensus. You must recite Al-Fatiha, otherwise your prayer is not valid. If you pray by yourself, you must recite Al-Fatiha in every rak'ah. If you are the Imam, you must recite Al-Fatiha in every rak'ah. As the Imam or by yourself, no issue. You must recite it. No excuse, no nothing. Where is the only scenario where there is some difference of opinion then? When you are behind the Imam in Jama'ah. Here there's a difference of opinion between the scholars. Some say, in this scenario, you must recite the Fatiha just like the other two scenarios. So according to those scholars, all three scenarios are identical. You have to recite in every one, even when you are in the Jama'ah scenario. That is one opinion. Second opinion is, in that scenario, when you are in the Jama'ah, being led by the Imam, you do not need to recite Al-Fatiha. Because the Imam is reciting it, that's enough for you. The Imam's recitation covers you. So that's one opinion. When you're in the jama'ah behind the imam, you don't need to recite al-fatiha. you got to do everything else, of course. But the fatiha part, you can just... The imam is leading you, his recitation covers you. That's an opinion. There is a third opinion. And that says that when you are being led by the imam in the quiet prayers, then you must recite. And when you are led by the Imam in the loud prayers, then you don't have to recite. So for example, in the first two raka'at, or in the whole of the Fajr prayer, you wouldn't have to do the Fatiha. You do the Takbir, you do your opening supplication, and then just quiet. Listen to the Imam recite the Fatiha in both raka'at. So you wouldn't be reciting the Fatiha in Fajr. In Maghrib, the first two raka'at of Maghrib, you can hear the Imam reciting Al-Fatiha, you don't need to, you listen to him. In the third raka'at, you can't, so you do it yourself. In Isha, the first two raka'at again, you do not recite Fatiha, listen to the Imam, he's doing it for you. In the third and the fourth, you can't hear the Imam, so do your own. In Dhuhr and Asr, in the congregation you're being led by the Imam, you are supposed to read it because you can't hear the imam. So the third opinion says, when you can hear the imam reciting, like in Fajr, like in the first two of Maghrib and the first two of Isha, then you don't need to recite Fatiha. Just listen to the imam reciting it. That's enough, it covers you. In the prayers where the imam isn't reading out loud, like Dhuhr and Asr, and the third raka'ah of Maghrib and the third and the fourth raka'at of Isha, you can't hear him reciting in those parts. You recite yourself. So three opinions. One opinion says, the first opinion said, when you are in congregation, you must recite all the time. Even if you can hear the imam, you recite your own. You must recite every raka'ah. That's one opinion. 
Second opinion was, you don't need to recite at all when you're being led by the imam. Third opinion was, when you're being led by the imam, in the loud parts, in the loud sections, then you don't need to recite. But in the quiet ones, like Dhuhr, Asr, last raka'ah of Maghrib, third and fourth raka'at of Isha, then do it. So that's like a split. When you can hear the imam, you don't need to do it. When you don't hear the imam, it's the quiet ones, you do it yourself. Three opinions there. You could say that the safest opinion is which one? The first one? The first one. Al-Ahwat, as they say, the most encompassing opinion. What do they mean by the most encompassing opinion? They mean, which one of those opinions would be the safest way to get yourself out of this issue? Or which one of those opinions would be the safest way to preserve your prayer? If you took opinion one, and you recited in every single raka'ah, even when you can hear the imam, you're definitely covered. If you take opinion two, and you don't recite, then there is a possibility your prayer is invalid. And some of the scholars, the ones who take opinion one, they will say your prayer is invalid. If you take opinion three, same problem again, in the quiet parts you're not reading, so the people of opinion one are going to say your prayer is invalid. But if you take opinion one, can people of opinion two and three tell you your prayer is invalid? Just because you've been reciting the Fatiha in every raka'ah? They can't. So therefore the, the most encompassing opinion, the opinion that safeguards you, is to recite in every raka'ah. However, many of the scholars have indicated, like Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and others, that the third opinion seems to be the most balanced and the just. When you hear the imam, you don't need to recite. Listen to him, his recitation covers you. Because there are some narrations where the Prophet ﷺ heard them reading whilst he was leading them. Afterwards he said, what were you reading? He told them, do not compete with the imam. Do not compete with the imam. Meaning, when the imam is leading the prayer, you be quiet. Don't be reading and the imam's reading. So that's an, a, a type of evidence they used to say, when you're being led by the imam, you don't need to read. This is a difference of opinion that is old. It is an old, old issue from centuries and centuries old. This is not a difference of opinion that's new. So that's the issue with that. Those are the three opinions. The safest one probably to recite in every raka'ah. There is one issue with that opinion though. If you take the opinion you're supposed to recite in every single raka'ah, how are you going to recite when the imam is reciting? So now you're praying fajr for example, in the jama'ah behind the imam. You do your opening takbir, you do your opening supplication, and now... The Imam starts reciting Al-Fatiha. According to that opinion, you're supposed to recite your Fatiha too. How are you going to do it? After the Imam, what do you mean? When he finishes, Amin, then you start doing yours, Alhamdulillah. So that means you're going to be doing yours whilst he's reading some surah. He's going to finish Fatiha and start reading some surah of the Quran. 
So you're saying when he starts reading the surah of the Quran, don't listen to that, do your Fatiha. Just behind him. Just behind him. With every verse when he says Alhamdulillah. So as soon as he says Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, you say Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. So you follow him line by line quickly. Possibly. What if he doesn't stop? Some of the imams, mashallah, these days have big breath. All of the Fatiha with no stop. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Maliki, Yawmiddin. Everything, the whole Fatiha, one breath. So what are you going to do then? The Sunnah is, the Sunnah way to recite is what? You're supposed to stop after every ayah. The Prophet ﷺ, when he used to recite, he used to stop after every ayah. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Maliki Yawmiddin. Stopping after every ayah. That's how the Prophet ﷺ used to recite. That's what the Imams should do. But many don't. All of it in one go. Or half of it in one go, then half of it in the other go. So how are you going to do that? After every ayah, you don't even get a chance? So then what? And you can't say Ameen. You might get stuck with that as well. If you're trying to catch up the last part, he's already finished his Ameen, he's carrying surah now. So what are you going to do? When are you going to recite? I know, I know you don't do it with him. You don't recite it with him. Because I asked that question. She was going to say, you don't follow him, you stop. Mm-hmm. So that means you're not going to be listening to him reciting the surah. He's reciting Quran, you're reciting your own. You go ahead of him. Ahead of him? Not allowed. We're going to get to the end of the book in the chapter. It's impermissible to go ahead of the imam. So big problem. What are you going to do? If you have to recite the Fatiha, when are you going to do it? If you do it at the end, that means you're not going to be listening to the surah. If you do it in the middle, then even then you're not listening to his Fatiha properly. After every ayah, if you try to catch yours in, he's already started his next ayah. It's all jumbled. You're trying to do yours, he's doing his. It's all jumbled. Unless the imam recites properly after every ayah stops, then you get a chance to put yours in. Stops, next ayah, get a chance to do yours. Okay, most imams don't do that though. So then what are you going to do? You're going to end up jumbling. He's doing his, you're trying to get yours in. He's doing his, you're trying to get yours in. And most of the imams, how quick they are, it's a big problem. And this is something the scholars have mentioned, there is no clear answer to it. What are you supposed to do? There's nothing really mentioned in the sunnah about how you do it. So, the person who follows that opinion, then the scholars mention these different things. You could do it at the end. You could try to do it after every ayah. You try and do those things if you follow that opinion. But if you don't follow that opinion, in the loud prayers, you can remain silent and just listen to the imam. And his recitation covers you. And in the quiet ones, do your recitation. So that is the issue about al-Fatiha. Another issue now, imagine you take the first opinion. You have to recite Fatiha every rak'ah. Or even if you take the second and third opinion, that the imam's recitation covers you. Imagine you walk into the mosque, just as you walk in, they say, Allahu Akbar, and they're going into Ruku'ah. So you're going to now say, Allahu Akbar, and go into Ruku'ah. You missed the whole of the Fatiha section. You didn't even hear the imam recite the Fatiha section. So his recitation now doesn't really cover you. You never even heard it. You never heard him reciting the Fatiha. 
You missed that section. You caught into the rukur. That raka'ah, does it count or not then? Does you missed the whole of the Fatiha section? You didn't do it. You didn't even hear the Imam do it. So, upon which opinion does it count? More hadith. Everybody just saying there's a hadith. What hadith? It doesn't count. The hadith that So, there's a difference of opinion about this issue. Some scholars say, no, you haven't caught the raka'ah. You missed the fatiha. Fatiha is a pillar. So some scholars hold the opinion, if you come into the prayer at the ruku'ah, that raka'ah, it doesn't count for you. At the end, you're going to have to make up that raka'ah. If that was your first one, imagine you just missed it by a few minutes. They just started. The first raka'ah, they gone into ruku'ah as you came in. So at the end, you would have to get up and pray. One, because that one doesn't count for you. Some scholars have this opinion. Some scholars have this opinion. Because they say, look, you missed the Fatiha. You didn't read it. You didn't even hear the Imam read it. You missed it altogether. Altogether you missed it. You missed it yourself. You missed hearing the Imam. You caught nothing from the Fatiha. That's a pillar of the prayer. So how can we tell you this raka'ah of yours counts? They say in that case, get up and do that raka'ah because you need to do the Fatiha part. That's a, it's an opinion. It is an opinion of some of the scholars. Some scholars though, like a Shaykh al-Ithaymeen, he takes the opinion, opinion number one. You must recite Fatiha in every raka'ah. But on this case, normally it's those scholars. The scholars who take opinion one, that you must recite Fatiha in every raka'ah, they are the ones who say that if you catch in the ruku'ah, then it doesn't count that one, because you missed the Fatiha. Shaykh al-Ithaymeen is of that opinion. However, he says in his opinion, it's allowed as an exception. Normally, if you miss the Fatiha, no good. But in this instance, if you come into the mosque and you're late and you join into the Ruku'ah, you're excused for the Fatiha in that one-off scenario. You're excused in that one-off. Because you came in, that's when, that's when you caught them. You got into the Ruku'ah with them. You should have done the Fatiha. You've missed it for that Raka'ah, but you're excused in that situation. That's what Shaykh al mentions. There is, however, evidence for opinion two, which is that there's no issue. If you catch the ruku'ah, your raka'ah is caught. Don't have to worry about it. It's caught. You got it. You don't have to make it up. And they have some evidence. The evidence is the hadith of Abu Bakrah. Hadith of Abu Bakrah in Al-Bukhari. Not Abu Bakrah Siddiq, another companion called Abu Bakrah. Abu Bakrah, one time... He came to the mosque and he was late. Hadith in Bukhari. He came to the mosque one time and he was late. And when he came, walked into the mosque and everybody was already in Ruku'ah. In those days, the mosques, the way they used to be built, the entrance was always right at the back. Nowadays, architecture and everything is all difficult side, this, that, the other. In those days, always used to be the back. Because then when people come in from the back, they can just carry on making the rows. No problem about coming into the side and maybe the rows are full. You have to start walking through them to get to the back. So the door was always at the back. He came in from the back and they were already in ruku'ah. He saw them at the front, the jama'ah, in ruku'ah already. So as he walked in from the door and he saw them in ruku'ah, 
Now if he carries on walking to get to the row, by the time he gets there, they're going to say, Samir Allah, and that's it, gone. He's even going to miss the ruku'ah. So then what did he do? When he walked in and he saw them in ruku'ah, at the front over there, he's walked in, he said, Allahu Akbar, went into ruku'ah, and he's still at the door yet. And then he walked forward and joined the row. Hadith in Bukhari. So he did Allahu Akbar straight away, went into ruku'ah, and then he walked forward and just joined into the line. Because he was afraid if he carried on walking and joined the line first, by that time they would say, Sami Allah, and that's it, gone. So he quickly just did his ruku' and then walked and caught up to the line. After the prayer, he mentioned it to the Prophet ﷺ what he did. The Prophet ﷺ found out about what he did then. So when the Prophet ﷺ found out about this, he said in the hadith in Bukhari, it mentions, زَادَكَ اللَّهُ حِرْصًا وَلَا May Allah increase you in your enthusiasm. Abu Bakr, from his enthusiasm to make sure he doesn't miss the prayer, doesn't miss the raka'ah, straight away went into ruku'ah. Prophet said, may Allah increase you in your enthusiasm. But, don't do that again. What does this hadith mean? Is it allowed to do the ruku'ah before joining the saf? The Prophet said, may Allah increase you in your enthusiasm, but don't do that again. What does it mean? Don't come late. I think it means it's allowed, but don't come late. All time. Don't so when he's when the Prophet said to him, "Don't do that again," you think he was saying, "Don't do that again," meaning don't be late, get here on time in the first place. So you think the Prophet ﷺ meant don't do that again, i.e. don't go into ruku'ah before you've come to the row, lined up, then join. Yeah. Scholars have mentioned all of these things. Because if you read the full narration, he had been slightly running to the mosque as well. Abu Bakr had been slightly, slightly running to the mosque. And we know the sunnah is not to run to the mosque. Even if you're late. Even if you're late, you're not supposed to run. Take your time calmly. If you're late, that's your fault. You should have come early yourself. If you are late now, then you don't run. Just come as normal so you come calmly and you can join calmly. If you come running, then you do Allah Akbar. <laughs> Out of breath. That's not how you do it. So you come calmly. He had been slightly running. So the scholars, they say, when the Prophet ﷺ said to him, may Allah increase you in your enthusiasm, but don't do that again. He wasn't talking about going into Rukur before the Saf. He was talking about not being late and not running. Don't be late and don't run. Next time be early, come calmly. Don't be late and run and end up having to do that. Why do the scholars say he couldn't have been talking about him going into Rukur before the Saf? Did the Prophet ﷺ say to him, what's that? Get up and do one more rak'ah. Was he told to repeat that rak'ah? So when he went into Rukur from the back and walked up and joined the line, did that raka'ah count for him or not? It counted. The Prophet never said to him, repeat it. It's in Bukhari, the hadith. If that raka'ah was wrong, it was wrong for him to go into Rukur before the saf, 
and then come and walk and join in whilst he's already in Rukur. If that was wrong, and that raka'ah doesn't count like that, then what's the first thing the Prophet would have said to him? First, get up and pray one more raka'ah. Get up and pray one more raka'ah first. That one doesn't count like that if you did that. That wasn't said to him. The Prophet did not tell him to repeat that raka'ah. This indicates that going into Rukur and joining... That wasn't the issue really. The issue was about don't do it again, meaning don't run to the mosque and don't be late. So the, the point of the hadith isn't that anyway. The point of the hadith that we want to talk about is Abu Bakr caught the prayer in the ruku'ah. He was not told to have to repeat that raka'ah. Therefore, if you catch the prayer in ruku'ah, the raka'ah counts. Clear proof. That is very easy proof there. He caught the the ruku'ah. He missed all of the fatiha. Never recited it himself, never heard nothing. He missed it all. Got into the mosque, the in ruku'ah. He joined in in the ruku'ah. Regardless at the back or at the saf, that doesn't matter here now. Point is, he joined in at the ruku'ah part. The Prophet didn't tell him to repeat that raka'ah. Indicating if you join in at the ruku'ah part, you catch that part at least, that raka'ah counts. So that is the opinion of many of the other scholars. As long as you catch the rakur, as long as you catch the rakur, then the raka'a counts. You don't have to get up and pray that one again. But you have to catch it. If you come in now and you start saying Allah, you're just about to do your takbir, your opening one, takbir al-ihram, Allah, and you hear them, Sami'a Allah, you can't do Allah Akbar and go. You missed it now. If they say Sami'a Allah and they start coming, you missed it. So if you hear them saying Sami'Allahu liman hamidana They start saying that You missed it now You're going to have to repeat that raka'ah definitely But if you catch it before that That raka'ah counts So then at the end of Before the raka'ah bit the fatiha At the end of the fatiha then At the end of the fatiha then Comes the saying of Ameen Should you say that loud Or not this is something many people they have discussions about. Should you say Ameen loud or not? And some people they have very strong opinions about this. They are very strict about this. Somebody told me once that there was a person who held the opinion that you say Ameen loud. Which there are many evidences. We're going to read them now. That you say Ameen loud. He was praying somewhere where all of the people there, the imam and everybody, they did not say Amin loud. Maybe he didn't know. So when he was in the prayer, got to the end of Fatiha, he said, Amin. It is mentioned, as they say, Yurwa. It is narrated that the imam turned around and said, Who's the dog barking? To that level. This is how passionate people are about these things and they don't even read the evidences. Anyway, the evidences say. What do the evidences say? Because we're not going to just make up anything. Always about hadith. Is there hadith proving that they used to say Amin loud or not? So let's have a look. There is one hadith in Abu Dawood. Another one in Tirmidhi. Where it mentions, كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِذَا قَرَأَ وَلَضَّالِينَ قَالْ آمِينَ that when the Prophet ﷺ used to read وَلَضَّالِينَ At the end he used to say Ameen وَرَفَعَ بِهَا صَوْتَهُ 
Hadith in Abu Dawood and Tirmidhi says, Rafa'a biha sawtahu. He used to raise his voice saying it. The Prophet ﷺ used to say it and he used to raise his voice saying it. In Bukhari and Muslim, Hadith of Abu Huraira, it says, إِذَا أَمَّنَ الْإِمَامَ فَأَمِّنُوا When the Imam says, Ameen, then say, Ameen. Bukhari and Muslim. When the Imam says, Ameen, then you say, Ameen. In another narration, in Ibn Majah, all these different narrations, Bukhari, Muslim, Tirmidhi, Abu Dawood, now Ibn Majah. In Ibn Majah, Hadith of Abu Huraira, رضي الله عنه قال ترك الناس التأمين أبو هريرة said the people have stopped doing the آمين وكان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا قال غير المغضوب عليهم الضالين قال آمين he said the Prophet ﷺ when he used to recite غير المغضوب عليهم الضالين he used to say آمين حتى يسمعها أهل الصف الأول he used to say it loud enough that all of the first row used to hear him at least Imagine no mic. Now with a mic, everybody hears if the imam says it. But without a mic, you say it loud enough that everybody on the first row at least hears you. That's not quiet. That's not just ameen. That's reasonable. The imam's going to say ameen. So all of the first row, they hear him. They says in this narration, everybody in the first row, they used to hear him. But then what used to happen? When everybody in the first row used to hear him, then yartajju biha al-masjid. That they used to hear him and they used to start repeating. So then everybody else behind them in the rows realized as well. Everybody used to repeat it until يَرْتَجُّ بِهَا masjid, Meaning used to vibrate. Imagine now the full mosque. Everybody says, Ameen together. Obviously the windows don't vibrate physically, but you get the feeling. Every, everything echoing in the mosque. Ameen. He says that's what used to happen. When the Sahaba used to be praying... They used to say, Ameen. It used to be like vibrating, echoing everywhere in the mosque. In another narration of one of the Salaf, Ata, he says, I met 200 companions of the Prophet in this mosque, Masjid al Nabawi. He says, I met 200 of the companions of the Prophet when they used to be praying and the Imam used to say, Waladdalin, Samirtu lahum rajja bi Ameen. I used to hear them, the companions, 200 of them, he says. Not just one companion, two companions. All of them used to do this. He says, 200 companions. After Walad Dalin, I used to hear the mosque like echoing and shaking. Ameen, all of them saying it. All of these narrations are there. In another hadith, in another narration, Ata says, Kuntu asma' al-a'imma yaquluna ala ithri umm al-Qur'an, Ameen. هم أنفسهم ومن وراءهم حتى إن للمسجد للجة. He said I used to hear the Imam saying Amin him and everybody behind him until there was like this vibration echoing in the mosque. So there's many narrations proving it that you should say the Amin out loud after finishing the recitation of the Fatiha. And it's strange some of these people who say no you cannot say it out loud. When all of these ahadith are there showing you that you can say it, then why would you want to say you're not allowed to say it out loud? And they are the same people, when it comes to other things, they say you can't do it out loud. Janazah prayer, uh, prayer, when it comes to that, they want to do it out loud. Reading the janazah out loud, even though that is only to be done occasionally when they used to do it, some of the companions to teach the people. 
Normally it's quiet how they used to pray it. But when it comes to Amin, absolutely silent you have to be. That's wrong. Amin out loud, the evidences are there. Then after that, after Fatiha, what do you read? So now we've done the opening takbir, we've done the opening supplication, we've done the Fatiha, done the Amin. then some part of the Qur'an, recite some part of the Qur'an, whatever you are able to recite. Some part of the Qur'an, whatever you are able to recite. Uh, and it mentions in some of the narrations that you read whatever is easy for you to read. If you only know a little bit, recite that little bit that you know. If you know lots, then pick some section and recite. And certain prayers the Prophet ﷺ did used to recite certain surahs. It's not an obligation to do that. You don't have to recite certain surahs in certain prayers. But there are examples of the Prophet ﷺ reciting certain surahs in certain prayers. There is a section of the Qur'an known as Al-Mufassal. And that is towards the end of the Qur'an. Al-Mufassal meaning where the ayat are shorter. In the beginning of the Qur'an, the ayat are long. At the end of the Qur'an, they get short, short ayat in every surah. That last part of the Qur'an where the ayat are short from surah Qaf onwards, surah Qaf to the end, Look at those parts, all of them are quite short surahs, uh, short ayahs. The ayahs are not like three, four, five lines long. Short ayahs. You get closer to the end, even shorter, shorter, shorter ayahs. That section is known as the Mufassal section of the Qur'an, from Surah Qaf to the end. The Prophet ﷺ used to recite from that section of the Qur'an a lot in the prayers. That section from Surah Qaf to the end, to Surah Nas, is known as the Mufassal section, and it is split up into three categories, three sections. The long Mufassal, the middle Mufassal, and the short Mufassal. Because Surah Qaf, those surahs from Surah Qaf, that side, they're still a bit longish. As you get further, further, they start getting a bit shorter. When you get right to the end, even shorter. So from Qaf, they're a bit long yet. Then as you get along a bit, they start to get a bit shorter. As you get along, they get even shorter. There's three main parts. So from Surat Qaf up to Amma Yatasa'alun, the surahs are still quite long. A page, a page and a half, two pages in the Qur'an. From Surah Qaf up to Amma Yatasa'alun. They're quite long still. A couple of pages, three pages, two and a half pages. Then from Amma Yatasa'alun to Al-Duha. Al-Duha. That section, the surahs are still reasonable. A page, three quarters of a page, still a little bit, medium size. Then from Al-Duha to An-Nas, those last ones are the easiest, smallest ones. Three parts. Qaf up to Amma Yatasa'alun. Amma Yatasa'alun up to and then from there up to An-Nas, three sections. The Prophet 
used to recite in the Fajr prayer the long sections of the Mufassal. From Surah Qaf up to Amma Yatasa'alun, they're the longer surahs. He used to pick from them and recite in Surah Al-Fajr. From the long surahs of the Mufassal. In Maghrib, he used to pick which ones? Long, medium or short? In Maghrib, the short ones. The sunnah in Maghrib is to pick the short ones. Right at the end. The short surahs in the Maghrib prayer. And in the rest of the prayers, Duhr, Asr, Isha, the middle level ones. So in Fajr, the long ones. Because the Fajr prayer is supposed to be long. Duhr, Asr, Isha, middle, medium level. And Maghrib, short. That is how generally the Prophet ﷺ used to recite in the prayers. Fajr long, Maghrib short, Dhuhr, Asr, Isha, medium. That's how they used to be. Also, something you should take note of, when you pray, the first raka'ah is supposed to be a bit longer than the second raka'ah. So you're praying Fajr, the first raka'ah should be a bit more reading, a bit longer than the second raka'ah. Dhuhr, same thing. When you start your first raka'ah, read after the Fatiha something a bit longer than what you read in your second raka'ah. Make your second raka'ah a bit shorter than your first one. Same in Asr. All the time. The second raka'ah is a bit shorter than the first one. All of this, what we've just said, is mentioned in a hadith. There's a hadith in An-Nasai that he used to recite Qisar al-Mufassal in the Maghrib, the short ones in the Maghrib prayer. Wafil Isha biwasat al-Mufassal in the Isha, he used to read the middle level ones. Wafil Subhi bitiwal al-Mufassal and in the morning prayer, the long ones. So, in Dhuhr and in Asr. How many ayahs roughly are you supposed to recite? What's a good amount for Dhuhr and Asr? There's a hadith in Muslim that the Prophet ﷺ كان يقرأ صلاة في صلاة الظهر في الركعتين الأوليين في كل ركعة قدر ثلاثين آية. 30 ayahs worth. So from the Mufassal section, 30 ayahs. It's about maybe a page, two pages or something. He used to recite that much in the opening first raka'ah of Dhuhr and same in Asr. About 30 ayahs worth. In the second raka'ah, he used to read only 15 ayahs worth. So the second raka'ah, the second one, would be half as long as the first one in how much he read. So that's something to take note of. The second raka'ah is supposed to be shorter than the first raka'ah. Then let's have a look at some examples of specific surahs he used to recite in specific prayers. Fajr. In the Fajr, the Prophet ﷺ used to recite between 60 to 100 ayahs. Between 60 to 100 ayahs. And it's mentioned that from the surahs that he used to recite, one of them was Qaf. Surah Qaf. 
Qaf wal Quran al Majid. That was one of the surahs the Prophet ﷺ used to recite in Fajr prayer. Also, Al Waqi'ah, which is the beginning. This one also he used to recite. That one also in the Fajr prayer. So, Qaf and Al Waqi'ah, both of them are in the hadith that the Prophet used to recite them in the Fajr prayer. Also, another narration says that the Prophet recited Bit. Tur, Tur, that one is mentioned as well. Also, in the Fajr prayer, Walayli ida as as. What's that? Walayli ida as as. Which surah? Everybody's heard it. Check it. That is the one the Prophet also used to recite in the Fajr prayer. Also in the Fajr prayer. These are examples of surahs the Prophet used to recite in the Fajr prayer. Uh, some more examples. Sometimes there's even a narration that he read a slightly shorter one. Also, Surah Sajda, Alif Lam Mim, Tanzil. Also, Hal Ata Ala Al Insan. All of these types of surahs, mostly the longer ones from the Mufassal, they are examples of what the Prophet ﷺ used to recite in the Fajr prayer. In Dhuhr, like we said in the first raka'ah, about 30 ayahs worth, and in the second raka'ah, about 15 ayahs worth. Examples of surahs the Prophet ﷺ used to recite in the Dhuhr prayer. Sabbih isma rabbika al-a'la That's one of the examples Wal-layli idha yagsha Another example Surat Luqman Some of the ayat from Surah Luqman sometimes And Dhariyat sometimes They are mentioned that he used to recite them in the Dhuhr prayer too سبح اسم ربك الأعلى هل أتاك حديث غاشية These are now from the, not the long section, getting to the medium section. These are the ones, والطارق also, والسماء والطارق والسماء ذات البروج All of these types of middle ones, the Prophet ﷺ used to recite them in the Dhuhr and the Asr prayers. What about Jum'ah? سبح اسم ربك الأعلى هل أتاك حديث الغاشية These ones are mentioned about reciting in them in the Jum'ah prayer and there are some others too that can be recited. In Asr, it's very similar to before those middle level ones, the middle level recitation ones. In Maghrib, like we just said before, the short ones. Pick some of the short section ones, the short ones and read those. That doesn't mean you have to do the short ones every single time. There are some examples the Prophet ﷺ used to read long surahs in Maghrib. 
So sometimes you can do a bit longer. It doesn't have to be short every time. You can do a longer one sometimes, but most of the time Maghrib is kept short. Isha, إِذَا السَّمَاءُ شَقَّتْ For example, the Prophet ﷺ used to recite that one. And there is a hadith, a famous hadith about Mu'adh ibn Jabal. He used to pray behind the Prophet ﷺ Isha in Jama'ah. Then he used to go back to his area, his village where he lives, and he was their imam back there. When he used to get back, he used to lead them in Isha prayer. So obviously he used to pray his Isha behind the Prophet ﷺ. When he used to go back and lead them, he was just praying Nafal. And the rest of them were praying Isha. And that's, we discussed that yet, if you can have different intentions. So that's allowed. He is allowed to have a Nafal intention and everybody behind him is praying their Fard Isha. That's okay. But what happened in that narration? He used to lead the prayer and lead it really long in Isha. He used to recite a lot in Isha. So one occasion, what happened? There was a man in the Jama'ah. The Isha was going on too long. The recitation was too long. He just broke off. Broke off and just carried on and finished and this salama went. So when the Prophet ﷺ found out, because the man went to complain, that Mu'adh ibn Jabal, he prays it too long. Some of us, we're workers, we're farmers, we got this, we got that. Can't be this long, the Isha prayer. So then the Prophet ﷺ, when he spoke to Mu'adh ibn Jabal, he said to him, Ya Mu'adh, afattanun ant. That are you causing problems for them? Fattan, are you causing difficulty for them? Salayta, he said to him, you should just pray Isha by Sabbih Isma Rabbikal A'la or Washamsi Waduhaha or Wallayli Ida Yagsha. Read those ones. He said to Mu'adh ibn Jabal when he heard that people are complaining he leads it too long, he said, just read these surahs. Washamsi Waduhaha, Wallayli Ida Yagsha, Sabbih Isma Rabbikal A'la. Do these shorter ones and make it easier. Ida Sama Unfatarat, Iqra Bismi Rabbikal Ladi Khalaq. These are the types of ones you can recite in the Isha prayer so it doesn't become too long. One final issue we'll mention, are you allowed to read more than one surah? So imagine now you've done your Fatiha, so you recite a surah. إِذَا زُلْزِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالَهَا And you finish. Can you do another surah after that? In order... So you can't pick one which comes before إِذَا زُلْزِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالَهَا So you can do more than one. Correct? You can do more than one. You can recite more than one surah in the Quran, in the uh, prayer after the Fatiha. You can do one surah, then another one after it. Keeping the order is good. That's better. What about, imagine somebody's praying from Surah Al-Baqarah. He comes and he recites some Surah Al-Baqarah in the first raka'ah. Second raka'ah, Surah Baqarah again, but from a different part of Surah Baqarah. Hundred ayahs somewhere else. End of Surah Baqarah. Allowed or not? It's allowed. What about if he comes and recites near the end of Surah Al-Baqarah in the first raka'ah? The second raka'ah, all of a sudden he picks something from the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah. Allowed or not? Basically. Some scholars say you shouldn't do that. Keep the order. Others, they say, you can do it only if each section makes sense. He reads the first section from the end of Surah Baqarah. In of itself, that section makes sense. 
Then in the second one, he picks another section. That section makes sense by itself. You can't just pick a random section that doesn't make sense now. You read something from the end, now you pick some other random part, it doesn't make any sense, you can't do that. If that section, those ayat that you pick, they make sense by themselves. That's okay, then you can do it. But really, ideally, it's better to keep to the uh, order. What about breaking up a surah over two raka'at? So you, إِذَا السَّمَاءُ فطرت, You do half of it. Ruku'ah. Second raka'ah, finish off the other half of it. Allowed or not? Allowed. But many scholars say it's better that you don't do it. It's better to finish the full surah in, in the raka'ah. They say it's better. Don't break it up. Some scholars do say that. They say it's preferred, it is better to finish the surah in the raka'ah. Obviously with the longer ones, it may be difficult, surah Baqarah, these things. But the end ones, it's better to finish the full surah. But you're allowed. You are allowed to break it. It's not haram or anything. What about reciting the same surah in both raka'at? In the first one, إِذَا زُلْزِرَةِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَةِ Second raka'at, again, إِذَا زُلْزِرَةِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالَهَا You know more. You got others too, you know. But are you allowed to repeat the same one twice? It is allowed, and there are some narrations of the Prophet doing that as well. It is possible. No prohibition about it. And then there's a famous narration about one of the companions who used to recite at the end of every raka'ah. He used to recite some other surah, but then always on top of it. So then they went and complained to him. The people who used to pray behind him, his mosque where he was, they said to him, why do you keep doing that? You pick different surahs, okay, good. But then at the end, every time you always add on again, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ Why don't you just pick the different surah and leave it at the surah? Why keep adding on قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ He said to them, he said, look, because he was the imam, he was the best reciter everything they had. He said, this is how I'm going to pray. This is how I lead the prayer. I'm going to do قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ at the end of every raka'ah. I'll do other surahs, but قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ always I add it on. If you don't like that, I'll, I'll quit. That's what he said to them. So then they went to the Prophet ﷺ. They said, look, this is what he keeps doing. At the end of every raka'ah after Fatiha, he recites other parts of the Qur'an. But then he doesn't go into ruku'ah. When he finishes the other parts, he always, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ first, then goes into ruku'ah. So then the Prophet ﷺ called him and said, why do you do that? He said, he said, because I love this surah. قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ It is known as the surah of ikhlas, the surah of tawheed to Allah. Talking about the oneness of Allah. He said, I love this surah. And the Prophet ﷺ, it was allowed. There was nothing wrong with that. The point of the narration is permissible. You could do that. So, uh, these are some issues we'll come into a bit more detail as well later on yet. Same surah. Same surah, you can do it, we said. Same surah. No, repeating it again and again, that uh, I don't think so. I don't, I'm not. There's nothing mentioned about repeating the surah again and again. You read it once and that's it. You can read it once in both raka'at, but to keep repeating the same one in the same raka'at, not, not really. That isn't done in that way. For example, somebody has memorized nothing except قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ How are you going to pray night prayer? You can, you can use the Qur'an. You can use the Qur'an, hold it and read it. Or you can just do قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ in every raka'at. You just pray, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ in every raka'ah. 
So we'll come to the next sections from next week, inshallah ta'ala. Conclude there for tonight then. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.